0: Hey, Chirocasters, Dr. Drew Rubin here. Today's topic is subluxation deniers. I can't even believe I'm actually talking about this topic and that it even exists, but it does. Uh, but I can tell you that the companies that I work with, you know, Preferred Chiropractic Doctor, and now you know, and PCD, they are not subluxation deniers. They believe in what we believe in. That's why they do what they do, uh, because they believe in our kind of chiropractic. But there's obviously some people out there who don't. And now, here's the podcast. Um, I was recently talking to some students from another chiropractic college. And I don't know if you've heard of what I'm showing you right here on the PowerPoint, but there's a whole uh, cadre of chiropractic schools and of uh, chiropractors who do a lot of research that have created this thing called subluxation deniers. Have you heard of this? Oh, I haven't um, uh, this one student told me that their particular school uh, now uh, it has joined the list of subluxation deniers, and I was like, subluxation deniers like someone actually went to the like you know all the trouble it took to actually create a website to create a subluxation denier so I thought that was very interesting, so I wanted to share this fascinating website with you that's just filled with research like if you want to be a subluxation denier then fill it with research proving it. Don't use this, these little things here, like these little quotes you know from this one person who can say, I can state unequivocally that there is no literature establishing their presence or absence for that matter of vertebral subluxation in infants. Okay, have you ever adjusted an infant? Right, that's my question. Has this person ever adjusted an infant? Does he, can can you tell me what a subluxation is in your mind and I can tell you what it is in my mind and we can have a little discussion about this, right? Um, Fraud, they call subluxation fraud with my eyes closed. This one chiropractor says he can find, he can only find a subluxation with his eyes closed. That's the only way he can find a subluxation. And this is is what they're using as their subluxation denying evidence. So I said, maybe there's more in this little clicky thing here. So here's more subluxation. So here's like a paragraph or two about subluxation denying, um, talking about dogma over data, right? And this is their big thing is that we're, we're holding on to outdated dogma and outdated ideas in order to propagate our subluxation. And then that's it, right? That we're done here. And, oh, maybe there's more in this other thing denier of the day. So then what they did, brilliant idea here, is that they created like this little PowerPoint thing. And, so that you can click over here and get other PowerPoints. So this one says, uh, fraudulent. Uh, parents should be made aware that there's a lack of substantiated evidence for the theory of subluxated vertebrae as a causality for illness in children. Do, 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 have you ever heard me say that subluxations cause illness? No, what do subluxations do? They interfere with the nerve system. They mess with the brain and the nerve system function, right? So anybody who's looking at this, this is just as ridiculous as saying, People should be made aware that there is a lack of substantial evidence for the theory of subluxated vertebrae and the causality for lower back pain in adults. Because lower back pain isn't always caused by subluxation. How do you know if you don't take x rays? And their argument is you shouldn't, uh, we overutilize x rays. Well, you know what? If you don't take x rays, you might miss cancer. Right? We had a patient come into the practice recently who has cancer of the sacrum. Right. If I started adjusting that patient and wailing side posture on that patient without taking a proper X-ray, I would have missed something, right? So don't tell me that I shouldn't be. I'm overutilizing X-rays if I want to check and see if my patient has something other than subluxation going on. I think that's absurd, right? And then this is that's their whole website. So the whole website is a couple of little statements here and a whole lot of like supposedly big names talking about you know, why, what we do. Here's a great one, I, one of my faves here. The subluxation has been elusive. There's no proof for its existence. Right? So then tell me how they come up with with secondary uses for medication. Right? Because like Viagra, its original use was not for what it's used for now and what it's known for now. Its original use for, was like a blood pressure medication or some other kind of medication. They happened to find this strange side effect right, that now, they're, now they're, they're using it for. So don't tell me that there's like some scientific basis for everybody else and not some scientific basis for what we do. And this is their entire website, is these three things. So if you want to make a website to try to convince me that I should be a subluxation denier, using quotes from a couple of different people is not the thing. You want to hit me with some research, hit me with some research. So I said let me see if there's anybody actually out there doing research. So then I found this. This is a 2011 paper. The prevalence of the term subluxation in North American English language doctor of chiropractic programs. I thought this was very interesting. So uh, what they did is they actually looked at, uh, at all the chiropractic college programs catalogs and they determined how many times the word subluxation was used. And Palmer, Florida, uh, where I'm, I'm speaking tomorrow, in day, uh, this weekend at Daytona for ICPA, Palmer, Florida, uh, devoted 22% of his curriculum to courses mentioning subluxation, followed by Life University, 16%, um, and Sherman uh, at 12%, um, respectively. Um, and listen, to this. despite the controversies and paucity of evidence, the term subluxation is still found often within the chiropractic curriculum of most North American chiropractic programs. Future research should determine if change in accreditation standards and research on evidence-based practice will affect this prevalence. So it's all about evidence-based. Is it all about evidence-based? Well, then come to my practice and watch the kids get better. There's evidence. You want evidence? Look. Open your damn eyes. Evidence Evidence is not random controlled trials, right? That is not evidence. That's just one way of studying something. I'm so sick of reading this kind of stuff. And then I go down over here. And it talks about the different schools uh, who use subluxation, who don't, right? And it mentions that they, look at this, this is the percent of subluxation per curricula. This is their measurement, uh, and they have it alphabetical here. So like Bridgeport has 1.3% of their, is their, that's their rating. I guess that's a good rating, a nice low rating is a good rating. Well, life is like 16.4%. Woo, that's bad, bad rating there, bad, bad. bad. Um, but look at this: National University, Southern California University, and Canadian Memorial. Zero percent use of subluxation. And when you go into this uh, and you read further down here, they all like are like all happy about that. Those three schools. Um, you know, where does it say it? I'm trying to find. I can't find it. It's like this—a is a huge long article. But in here, it kind of talks about how um, we should be adopting this sort of idea because what we're the subluxation is is antiquated you know, antiquated thing that we shouldn't be using. Some schools may state that they are not civilization focused or heavily engaged in the teaching of civilization. Nonetheless, most schools continue to teach about civilization, which seems to be more than just a historical context. Really? So then we should stop teaching history in other classes. You know, maybe the Civil War, we shouldn't teach about the Civil War. It was just history. You know, that's all it was. Why should we teach it? Maybe George Washington, maybe he was just like some figment of our imagination and maybe he really wasn't president, we shouldn't talk about it because if you really think about how a president is elected and he wasn't really elected the same way we elect people now, so maybe he really wasn't the president. Is that how we should be thinking about this kind of stuff? Oh, All right, one more thing. So then this is the latest, greatest article from the subluxation deniers. How frequent are non-evidence-based healthcare beliefs in chiropractic students and do they vary across pre-professional educational years? So, listen to this, so arguments have also been voiced for chiropractors to become known as non-surgical spine care experts. Not in my book, I do not want to be called a non-surgical spinal care expert. However, studies have shown that the existence of aberrant chiropractic practice profiles, which include anti-vaccination beliefs, which is not true which is not true. We are not teaching anti-vaccination beliefs. What am I teaching? Pro-choice, pro-knowledge. That's very different than anti-vaccination, right? Uh, And excessive x-ray usage. Further, these chiropractic practices consider wellness care to be a main component of practice and treat a high number of asymptomatic patients for somatural visceral conditions. This type of profile is considered unsuitable within the context of contemporary evidence-based care. And not surprisingly, chiropractors with profiles like this were less likely to receive referrals from or make referrals to medical practitioners than those who are main sector. You think my whole goal is to get referrals from a medical doctor? Is that my whole point, right? Is that what I want to do? Is I want to be a, 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 a non-surgical spinal care expert so I can, I can grovel at someone and get some back pain patients? Please give me more of your back pain patients, sir. Right? I'm not interested, right? I'm not interested. The primary patient I see in my office, the first person I see in my office is a kid. That is the first person I see in my office, and almost every single one of our patients, to some degree or another, adopt an asymptomatic, I want chiropractic for wellness, for maintenance, for prevention kind of attitude. Right, and and so, when, when, if we could do, you know what I'd like to see? If, if you really want to have some great research uh, done, someone should, should, if someone has a, a good deal of money or maybe some large organization can kind of put all this together, what we should be doing is researching this. What happens to long-term chiropractic patients compared to the average person who's not getting adjusted? right? What is the life expectancy of a average chiropractic patient? What is the what is the global distribution of disease in a non-chiropractic patient versus a chiropractic patient? I would like to see that because I know my kids in my practice do better than the average, right? I know from personal research, I did a couple years ago with through the ICPA as a diplomate, I was able to do a research project on the swine flu. Remember when the swine flu was really bad? So I did a research project on the swine flu and what we found out in this research project is that 7% of the population uh, in the United States was developing swine flu during that whole, uh, you know, serious, quote-unquote, epidemic they were calling it, which really wasn't epidemic, but that's what they were calling it. And guess what, of all the, the, the through all the ICPA that I surveyed, there's like 300 offices that responded. Guess what the percentage was of people who got swine flu under chiropractic care? 1%. 1%. So now, does that prove that chiropractic patients, that by, because they're chiropractic patients, that they did not get swine flu as much? Does that prove that? No, but it proves that something is different, right? It proves something is different versus the chiropractic patients versus the people who aren't getting adjusted. And isn't that something worthwhile, right? And so you can argue and say, well, maybe it could be because they're eating better or they have better mental attitudes or they take more vitamins or what. Who the hell cares, right? if they're in a chiropractic practice, and because they haven't been in a chiropractic practice, they're doing other health-related activities, right? And one of those happens to be chiropractic, and in exercise, we're a healthier cadre of people. So the healthier cadre of people who happen to, like you talk to most of my patients, they will know the word subluxation, right? Even little kids know the word subluxation, right? So when I look at something like this, it gets me so angry to think that people like this are looking at, at you guys, they're looking at chiropractic students and they're looking at chiropractic schools and they're saying, we should not use the word subluxation anymore. We should change the term subluxation to, we should get rid of it and change it to non-allopathic lesion or you know spinal somatic dysfunction or some other ridiculous terminology like that as if that makes a difference, right? So my here's what I, am, I, I would like to request of the subluxation deniers, right? So let's go back to our subluxation denier home page here with the, the picture of the God knows what this thing is over here. Um, I don't know if that's like a universe with the United States on it or some flat sort of... Earth. Oh, flat earth. What was that? It's a flat earth. It's a flat earth, yes. Yeah, flat earth. <coughs> right. Oh, I get it. I get a flat earth because subluxation is the same... Guy. That's very funny. Um, so, um, <laughs> clever, very clever. Um, so what I'd like to suggest for the subluxation deniers... Doesn't it kind of seem like... Promoting a flat earth, well in their brain they're promoting a flat earth. You're right, you're right. So, So I'm asking subluxation deniers, hey, you want to prove something to me? Then show me. Show me how chiropractic doesn't work. I would like you to show me, I want you to prove to me how chiropractic does not work, right? Show me how when, so come into my office or come into other pediatric chiropractic offices and ask the patients what they think of chiropractic, and then show me the satisfaction. Poor, I want to see poor satisfaction levels in my office. I want to see poor satisfaction levels in all your mentors and peak doctors and other, I, that's what I want to see. Show me the dissatisfaction, show me how bad it is, right? Sh- I, I want you guys to, to put together research of how subluxation is really not, if it really isn't something, then what should it be instead? Right? Because if you can't even put any research on this to tell me what it should be instead, then how can you tell me what it, that what I'm saying is wrong? Right? I, I want to know if, if, if you're putting so much energy and effort into denying something that's as simple as, as subluxation, <clears throat> what else are you going to deny? Right? What else is out there? What else is next? So <clears throat> I do not understand what this subluxation denier thing is about. Because to me, when I look at this kind of thing, I can look, I I can just as easily look at the opposite spectrum and say the prevalence of the term subluxation in North American English language doctors, and they're saying, well, 50% of people are using this ridiculous terminology. Can I not turn around and say, well, 50% of the people are actually on the right track? Right? Can I not say it the exact opposite way? Can't you take statistics and spin them whichever way you want to look at them? Right? because that's just like quantum physics. In quantum physics, if you're looking, if you have one of those huge quantum accelerators like this, and you say to yourself, I'm gonna look at the way these two protons smash each other and the quarks that come off it are gonna go to the left, guess which way they go? Left, and you say they're gonna go to the right, guess which way they go? To the right, it all based on where you're looking at. Right? So I asked the subluxation deniers to think about what you're looking at because what you're doing is you're looking at it going towards the left. And I'm suggesting that there's, there's two sides to every story. There's two sides to every story. So you may want to deny subluxation, you may want to deny pediatric chiropractic care, but you can't deny the fact that it works in the offices that it does work in, right? So if you're a back pain, non-surgical <laughs> alternative, then focus on that and let me focus on what I I want to focus on. And why would you want to deny what I do? If I'm getting amazing success, right, it's just like the politicians today. All the politics that just was going on in Georgia, instead of saying what they stand for, they said what the other person was doing wrong. I don't want to hear that kind of rhetoric. Tell me what you're going to do. I don't care about what they did or what you think they did or your interpretation, tell me about what you're going to do. So that's what I'm asking these guys. These guys are just talking about, they're pointing fingers saying, man, 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 the reason chiropractic is having a problem is because of them, them, them. Well I'm saying the reason we're having a problem is because we can't get ourselves together. We can't get ourselves together and say, you know what, what is my ultimate goal for all my patients, regardless of their seeing. Uh, a straight chiropractor a mixer or an ACA or an ICA or a a pediatric or sports what's the ultimate thing help the person isn't that the most important thing isn't that we're all trying to do is help the people and you think that that removing or changing the word subluxation will do anything to help the people more or less you know these guys are asking for proof they want proof that what we do works and I'm going to give you stuff that I saw Doctor Four from Activator talk about many times in different uh, you know seminars and lectures. When he was at Life in 2016, he talked about Punjabi, uh, Mammar Punjabis, uh, uh, 2005 article uh, in the European Spine Journal, uh, talking about the hypothesis of chronic back pain ligament subfailure injuries lead to muscle control dysfunction. This is a proof of subluxation. So I look at this and this says with a, and here's a picture from that article intact mechanoreceptors affect neuromuscular control units which affect which cause normal muscle response patterns which creates no adverse consequences right so that's a normal uh, feedback loop but if you have injured mechanoreceptors right they want science these subluxation deniers want science, here's the science. Injured mechanoreceptors cause corrupted transducer signals, which is going to cause corrupted response for the neuromuscular unit, which causes corrupted muscle response patterns, which is going to cause muscle fatigue Injuries in ligaments, mechanoreceptors, and muscles, which could create tissue inflammation. And that tissue inflammation, it, here it talks about back pain, but what else can tissue inflammation cause, right? Tissue inflammation can cause any sort of other problem, whether it's a back problem or it is a problem with that, that nerve going into other places. This is science, right? Show me the science of how the subluxation doesn't work. Right, I don't see it. Here's, here's this subluxation right from Doctor Four showing me how subluxation does work. Right, so I don't understand that. You know what Doctor Punjabi says is the injured spine behaves differently. When there are disrupted to injured mechanoreceptors, it produces corrupted transducer signals, which will change vertebral positioning and spinal loads. Right, this is this is subluxation in action. So so subluxation deniers, can you tell me that this doesn't work? Right. And, and look at this. One of my favorite articles is The Effects of Manually Assisted Mechanical Force on Cutaneous Temperature by Rouat uh, and a few others um, from the Journal of uh, JMPT. Uh, it looks like, I can't read it very well with my glasses, it looks like 2006, March 2006. So, great article. And look what this thing shows. Forget about the other uh, charts, but look at this one thing on the, the chart on the top left. Uh, it's a picture from the article. What it shows is that when a, an adjustment is delivered with an activator, and obviously we're talking activator Dr. Ford, but it could be any sort of adjustment. When adjustment is delivered, the temperature actually drops down temporarily. There's this series where it says T0, drops down, and then it goes back up and actually goes higher than the normal temperature it was before the adjustment. And so this shows 10 minutes. Well, isn't that amazing? So when someone says, hey, is that it? You say, hey, no, this is when the adjustment is actually starting. The adjustment is starting right now because that's what's happening. It's like you, your, my hands might be not working on you, or my activator may no longer be adjusting you, but the adjustment is now starting, and now it's just 10 minutes, who knows, 10, 20, 30, hour later, 2 hours, 10 hours, 10 days later, is the adjustment still doing something in that area? This proves that an adjustment does something. This proves that there was a subluxation in that area, and now something happened in that area, and now there's a change. You know. It's Show me how that doesn't work, substation deniers, right? Uh, the brain response to activator, I cannot read the, um, where this came from, but there's actually a study of the brain response to activator when they're doing looks like some sort of EE, uh, QEG or maybe uh, fMRI response to activator, it. and it lights up where uh, in the particular parts of the brain where, um, that are related to the particular areas that were adjusted with, their, uh, with the activator. And um, then we're talking about the, uh, the tensile strengths uh, t- an article from, uh, from Spine Magazine in 2013, Tensile Failure Properties of the Perinatal, Neonatal, and Pediatric Cadaveric Cervical Spine. So what they did somehow or other, uh, they came up with this study where they ch- checked the tensile strength of um, the, these uh, cadaveric spines uh, and found that uh, a manual thrust manipulation uh, actually uses tensile strength in order to... Um, to have that technique work, whereas a, a mechanically assisted adjustment, the tensile strength doesn't matter. That's why what it shows is the manual uh, 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 adjustment, or in my opinion, also you could extrapolate this to like sustained contact, gentle adjustment. The tensile strengths don't matter, right? This is just once again showing subluxations, so important. Um, and then the final thing, which I think, listen to this subluxation deniers. Um, this is from the International Conference on Chiropractic Research. It's an original article, first prize. Spinal manipulation reduces pain and hyperalgesia after lumbar and intervertebral foraminal inflammation in the rat by Song et al., a bunch of medical doctors and one chiropractor, Dr. Rupert. Uh, and what this showed, uh, this is from JMPT in 2006, what this showed, talking about subluxation, it shows that what they did is they mechanically induced the subluxation in a rat. God knows how, I didn't want to know. But what they did is they, they, they histologically, uh, with uh, macrographs and micrographs, uh, showed um, microscopic and macroscopic section pictures. So the top picture you see here on the left is the, the, the nerve, uh, before uh, it was mechanically uh, induced the subluxation. And it shows that uh, on the right, the, uh, in the microscopic view, you know, the cells look normal, nucleus, et cetera. Then uh, after the subluxation, now look at the difference, the macroscopic difference. Look at the cell uh, changes and the color changes and the nucleus changes, et cetera. And you can see uh, on the right picture, all the nuclei are breaking and lysing and that kind of stuff. Um, just because of the subluxation, and then after the adjustment, they did an adjustment with an activator, but it could be anything. They did an adjustment with the activator, and now look at letter C pictures right from the JMPT article. Now that the the, the nerve looks better, and the nuclei and the cells are starting to reform again, and re uh, you know and regrow and get themselves back together. This proves it. This proves that the subluxation and that when we adjust someone, something changes. Right? Clearly, in these three pictures, I show the, the before, the right because of subluxation, and after. We can see changes, that a subluxation causes changes, and adjustment causes changes to get back more towards normal. So subluxation deniers, look at these articles and find me some articles that show the opposite. Find me articles that show that subluxation... Uh, uh, don't exist and that sub- adjusting civilizations doesn't work and because I'd like to see it. I'd like to see the difference. I'd like to see the opposite effect. Actually, I don't want to see it. And it's not that I don't want to see it, it's just I don't think it exists. I don't think there's any articles that you can show that will show me the opposite of this. This shows chiropractic works. And this comes from Dr. Four, right? So this, this isn't just some Chiropractic in the field. This is probably one of the greatest chiropractic researchers we have right now. So all of these articles are are were were in somehow related to, to activator, which you know one reason why I love activator so much. But I think this is such an important thing to understand uh, that, that that there I think there is a subluxation, and these articles prove it.